We could say that under normal circumstances, every podcast has a little bit of a storyline. It's prepared, it's researched, particularly since we introduced Audra to the team. Today is just a little bit different. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute. Welcome. Welcome. Where Germanic-speaking European countries, Germany, Deutschland, Deutschland. Austria, Switzerland, Schweiz. Blend with the Midwestern United States. Hello. We are here and there, and we invite you to come along on the journey. Now, of course, the question is, how exactly is it different? This is Gunther Hosting, by the way, and Audra is here as well. Hi, Audra. Hi, Gunther. So, like I said in the beginning, uh, usually we are formatted, researched, thematically based in one way or another. Today, we're just flying laissez-faire, because it's the last time that we're flying. This is the final episodes of Here and There. Now, as far as I understand, uh, Audra has done some digging into our stats and has come up with some questions relating to the podcast. And as we invited you to all kinds of journeys, I'm inviting you to just this final journey with us. So, Audra, what did you actually come up with in terms of yeah. stats and numbers and good stuff? Stats and numbers and things. Yeah, I think for for a while now, we knew we were nearing 100 episodes. Um, we did not make it to quite 100 episodes. This is, I believe, our 91st. My math could be wrong. I'm not good at math. I'm not good at counting. <laughs> but, I mean, we are somewhere around 100 episodes. Not quite... But we did it. We got we got really close. And I think that's something to be celebrated. Um, of all the episodes we have put out, um, the episodes have been played a total 16,346 times. All the episodes, that's the total plays the podcast has had all together. 16,346. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's quite interesting. We've... Uh done a little bit of uh, digging it's been about i would say six months maybe a year ago that uh, the majority of podcasts actually does not exceed 10 episodes so the majority of podcasts that are being started don't go beyond 10 and anyone who has a sustaining podcast and gets more than i think 50 airplays or something like that or downloads i guess would be the correct terminology is already in the top 25% of all podcasts being published. So with that, even though the number, when you look at the big superstars uh, that are out there in the podcast world, uh, our numbers are just insignificantly small, they are still quite spectacular, considering that our podcast was, or is, uh, as today is the last episode, a niche podcast. It addresses something very particular with a very small audience, but as you, the listening audience, is with us right now, a very dedicated audience. We've seen basically the same people. Uh, we've grown a little bit, then we've ebbed and flowed a little bit, then we came back a little bit, and it's been the same people. Uh, at the events that we were at, I've received numerous comments and, and high fives based on what we're doing. So it was really great to see that they're actually really just loyal followers. Yeah, we have a really strong couple hundred people who who listen in to all the episodes and that's really fabulous to see um i have the top five most played episodes listed out i'm going to go through them sure. um and I'll, for all of these i was not here so gunter you can tell me what you remember <laughs> oh, about oh these episodes because also these are the top five most played episodes because as a podcast the here and there we gain more listens over time. It's not something when we release an episode, if we see a huge massive spike in listens, it's over a couple of years that we really see those numbers grow. So we probably won't see season four with many listeners for another two years. And at that point, right. life will be very different. But uh, <laughs> so all of our top five episodes as of today, May 6th, um, are well, starting off with season one, episode 10, GAI Oktoberfest and more. So that would have been season one. I don't know. Do you remember anything from? Uh, I think that was 
By the way, uh, I do not know what Audra has in store, so I'm really flying completely <laughs> blindfolded. And what you get is an unrefined uh, opinion and recollection for me. I do believe this episode was obviously still when we had face-to-face contact when the Oktoberfest took place at the Schmidt Brewery. I do believe that we talked to Paulana in that episode. We uh, had a preview as to what's about to come. And we sort of hitched the podcast a little towards the spectacular 20-some thousand people event that then took place at the Schmidt Brewery. Of course, this is all sort of uh, talk from yesteryear because we haven't had an opportunity to put on large-scale events uh, due to COVID. So I'm, of course, hoping that bigger events are coming back in the future and we will see those large numbers again. And maybe I still find myself with a microphone on the stage. So, I mean, all bets are off, but perhaps there is uh, a little bit of an in- a continuation, if you will, as far as engagement and uh, visibility and presence is concerned to that degree once those big festivities are coming back. Right. Also, I realize I misspoke. It was actually season one, episode zero, not 10. Um, was so it was the one? first one. Right. It was the first one, which is really special and since the since then you've done a couple more Oktoberfest mm-hmm. episodes right have you done one every year or is it just uh we tried to yes uh i think we tried to have one at least dedicated to the Oktoberfest uh, either as an announcement or retrospectively and of course again the last couple of years are a blur to me just as uh, to many other people i actually don't know if we did one last year or the year before i, I don't think we did we... one the Oh, I guess you did Deutsche Tage. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting how how quickly you can get lost within almost 100 episodes trying to recall which is which. <laughs> okay, what was the next one? Yes, number two is the special episode. I guess so. There isn't really like a season. I, I don't. I guess it was last summer um, with about the special episode George Floyd Street Art and University of Saint Thomas. So that whole yeah thing. I remember just like everybody else in the Twin Cities and probably globally uh, the events of uh, the murder of George Floyd. I had the opportunity to interview a St. Thomas professor and uh, subsequently his team who were indexing uh, George Floyd-related street art and built a phenomenal project around this. This was sort of a twofold endeavor for us one was the podcast and then i did have the opportunity to also do an interview uh, that was filmed with uh, the st thomas professor whose name escapes me at this point Uh, but that was an incredibly meaningful deep and uh, very much uh, an episode that uh, taught me a lot particularly as far as perspectives and experiences and emotions around graffiti and street art are concerned and the relevance of everything. So from this day forward, to be to be honest, I have never looked at street art in the same way, even though to many people graffiti, as it would be commonly referred to, are annoying. There's reason and relevance behind what is being sprayed on the wall. So if you want to go back into the archives and listen to this particular episode, I can only suggest it, obviously one of our biggest airplay episodes, but uh, there's quite some meaning baked into this episode beyond what we would commonly identify with uh, scribble, if you will, street art that people object to. Uh, see it for truly the meaning behind it. It's it's quite phenomenal. Yes, I believe the St. Thomas professor was Dr. Lawrence. Yes. Yes. No, that's very cool. I, I wish I would have been around for that. But alas, I was taking, what, I guess that was summer though. So I guess it was in between my mm-hmm. junior and senior year of college. Um, now thank Next. you for sharing. Oh, absolutely. Next. <laughs> Next is the third most played episode from season one, episode two, Articles and Traditions. Yeah, that goes back to when we had the quote-unquote, good old trio sitting in the diamond salon at the GAI house on Summit Ave. It was our director of language services, Claudia, back then. It was Catherine. 
And of course, uh, myself had a little bit to do with that as well. And we talked about grammar concepts uh, and then usually a cultural application. And then either Claudia or myself talked about uh, the upcoming events. So those episodes, I suppose, are evergreen in a sense that you could still go back, of course, and listen to the grammar concepts, get a little more in-depth understanding to the complexities of German grammar. And, uh, of course, Catherine does a phenomenal job of breaking it down and making it really digestible and easy to understand. And I think our cultural journeys, if you will, were informed through a mid-German individual, Claudia, who's coming sort of from the middle of Germany, then Catherine, who is further up north, and then, of course, I'm sort of the odd man out as the Austrian with yet another perspective that shifted a little bit or changed a little bit from the traditional German perspective. Yeah. I mean, some of the trio episodes were some of the best performing episodes, not necessarily like, you know, in the top five always, but like they're definitely up there in our top 10 or top 20. Would you say that they were also some of your favorite episodes to record, perhaps? You know, things were a little bit different back then. I mean, we have evolved, I suppose, uh, as far as thematic positioning is concerned, as far as recording in and of itself is concerned. Uh, if you had seen the setup, and I'm not going to go too deep into technical here, but if you had seen the setup back then, it was basically a field recorder and an amplifier and... Uh, cables everywhere and uh, trying to not rely on battery power but plugging into something which introduced another cable mess and then slowly but surely over time pared down into the gear that I'm using today to record this particular show for instance which is much smaller much less uh, intricate in terms of who gets plugged in where and which cable runs across the room and provides a tripping hazard just for flavor of the show. And uh, we have evolved since then. We also have evolved in the sense that we are no longer sitting at the Diamond Salon. We are now doing this via Zoom. The quality is, I think, just as astounding as sitting face to face. Were those my favorite episodes? Um, it's okay to say no. I <laughs> just... <laughs> to, be, to be honest, I, I really, I, I have a favorite episode, but... That's a question I'm going to ask later. Okay. So save it for later. <laughs> you got it. Stay tuned, folks. He's going to answer the question later. Um, they, were, they were good. They were okay. I greatly enjoyed working with Claudia and Catherine. Would I qualify them as my favorite episodes in terms of content? Truthfully, no, not really. There were better things we've done. That's fair. Yeah. People just love the banter and people love the North, Middle, and Southern, yeah. very Southern German <laughs> perspective. Um, so our fourth most played episode is season one, episode 13, The Kinderstube, German for Kinder. That was an episode which uh, to you, Audra, should not come as much of a surprise. I entered with zero preparation, which is generally how I roll anyway. But uh, <laughs> this one I came in with even less. I knew who my interviewees were, but I teach either at the GAI or taught at the GAI and I teach at Hamlin. Uh, so both essentially are adult learners or students uh, at university level. And I know shockingly little about teaching children. This episode was just phenomenal in its own right as to what early childhood education actually means, how it falls in place from a cultural perspective, how German can be wrapped into this. And the episode, I think, was just absolutely phenomenal. And evidently also the download and airplay numbers uh, also exemplify that. Yeah. And we've had several, uh, there have been quite a few Kinderstube episodes, but this one. Yeah, that was the first, the first one. one. Yes. Has remained the most popular. So the fifth and final episode I'm going to touch on today as our most played um, is season two, episode three, Switzerland, myths and realities. I think that was the one and only time we had a an original Swiss on the show. I think it was Deb. 
And even though Austria is right next door, I, again, know very little about Switzerland uh, as far as culture and customs and uh, essentially the way of life is concerned. So I could kind of spitball my way through, if you will, but to truly ask somebody who's from there makes, of course, a lot more sense. So debunking some of the myths uh, that that uh, we know about Switzerland, everybody is born with an Alphorn at their side, which of course is not true. You know, typical stereotypical things. So it was a really great episode. And I think also, again, the plane numbers exemplify that uh, people perhaps wanted to know more about Switzerland. And perhaps we should have done a couple more episodes, particularly geared towards Switzerland. But true Swiss nationals are hard to come by these days because there are not a lot of them in the Twin Cities. They're staying put. They're staying in a country that makes sense. <laughs> well, that, that too, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree. You know, we could have definitely talked about Switzerland more, but uh, I think that's a gap in my knowledge as a German major and just a gap in everyone's knowledge in general when it comes to German language and culture things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is absolutely true. Hence, the existence of this podcast, right? Trying to just yeah. spread our wings uh, a little bit larger and wider. And I do believe, even though, of course, the majority of the listening audience actually comes from the U.S. or listens in the U.S., we do have some international numbers where we are having an audience in Europe. I do believe a little bit of an Asian segment that we have found as well. I'm not sure if we have South America and uh, Africa in our quiver. I don't believe so. So we are mostly, of course, U.S. and then a little bit Europe and uh, some uh, perhaps uh, dedicated German listeners as well who may be expats or people who know someone within the GEI structure. So maybe there is a little bit of correlation there. Yes, I actually have it in front of me. Oh, so, bring it. yes, I have our stats all open. So, um, eighty-eight percent of our listeners are from the United States. Four percent are from Germany, which makes sense. Two percent are from Taiwan. You did say Asia, and <laughs> there we go. Um, less than one percent are from Austria, and then from there on down, it's less than one percent. But um, less than one percent from the UK less than 1% from France, and then from that point, it really becomes less and less substantial. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we don't really get to uh, South America until we hit Brazil, which is like maybe like the 12th country down on this list for less than 1% of our listeners. So It's interesting just how far-reaching this medium is. I mean, obviously, everybody knows YouTube and everybody knows sort of the idea and the functionality of a podcast in and of itself, but very rarely do we get to hear about numbers and distribution and who listens from where. So to to hear the countries that are actually hitting the play button on uh, those little episodes that we produce, uh, I just want to, obviously, as this is the last one, thank you for, for being here. It's it doesn't go uh, unnoticed, if you will, that you spend your time with us. And as far as time is concerned, and I think this was really also, also uh, always the uh, sort of main focal point, is that we wanted to produce something that is worth your time. Because time, in and of itself, is precious, particularly as the many directions in which you can spend your time in. So spending it with us for an hour, or sometimes longer, is... Uh, <laughs> Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yes. So now, why don't we jump into some of these questions, these proper questions, and oh not boy. just reaction to episode things. It's, it's not that painful, don't worry. So you're saying um, now that I'm warmed up, you can ask the hard stuff? Go for it. These are not that hard. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just start off with the what is your favorite episode that you ever recorded question, the one I said stay tuned for. The favorite episode is... The episodes where I had the pleasure, privilege, opportunity to talk with one of the GAI legends, Fred Amram. And it was an episode where we dove into that which is still on everybody's mind, 
perhaps not forefront, but in the back office of your mind, is the Germany and Holocaust connection and the history and the experiences. And as we are slowly but surely losing all those who have and had firsthand experiences, it made sense to go down, well, memory lane, even though not good memories, of course, with somebody who is an incredible resource, an incredibly eloquent speaker, somebody who has taught as well, and uh, as a professor, truly understands how to share knowledge. And the episode with Fred was not just meaningful and deep, but also incredibly an opportunity to, to learn something, to be taught by somebody who, well, just really knows firsthand. And we did actually two episodes with Fred. The first one, I kind of softballed my way through because I knew that Fred is just this larger-than-life persona, not just for the GAI, but also his presence in the room, which is very soft, but through that softness, incredibly commanding. I didn't exactly know how to conduct myself. I was strangely nervous, which I usually am not when it comes to interviews, because I've done in my years of broadcasting professionally to now uh, hundreds, I don't even know how many, but plenty enough to no longer be nervous. With Fred, I was actually nervous entering the room. And I think the, the, the nervousness originated with his incredible calmness. The calmer he was, the more nervous I got because I wasn't exactly sure where I'm at. And the second episode that we recorded with Fred, I had one thing in mind, one question that I wanted to get across, and I was waiting almost the entire episode to finally ask that. And it originated with the idea that uh, Fred, who is very soft-spoken, had one tiny incident in the first episode that we recorded where he became quite stern, quite almost not loud, but for Fred's disposition, probably a little bit louder than he usually would be. And the question that I asked was, or the conversation revolved around forgiveness and moving on and being able to internalize and so forth. I don't recall the exact wording anymore. But uh, his very emotional answer, if you will, uh, sort of stuck with me. And I wanted to get back to that without being offensive, without putting him in a corner, so to speak. But I wanted to know why is it that decades later, generations later, can we still not forgive? I'm not asking for anyone to forget, but I'm asking for why can't we forgive? And I was so apprehensive asking that because it's, it is potentially such an offensive question. But the conversation that ensued from that was really good. So I certainly invite you to go back into the archives, listen to the first one, and then immediately listen to the second one and uh, see how we travel through time and space. Yeah, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, I think I was your student at the time. And I, I believe you asked our class if we had any questions that we you, like you wanted us or you yeah, we wanted you to pass on like in yes. this interview or ask in this interview and pretty sure no one gave you questions. Nope. And, you know, I, I wish we, <laughs> I wish we would have. You know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, I, I try to, to ask questions that are not just coming from, from my perspective, if you will, but engage at that point, obviously with you guys uh, in terms of a university classroom, because Contemporary questions of contemporary minds, young minds, if you will, are probably much more appropriate and applicable going forward than my questions, which, uh, well, as uh, somebody who's a little bit older as the common university student, may just also be antiquated questions. So I was hoping that I can get some new flavor in there, but unfortunately, I don't think I received any questions. <laughs> But I think you ask very thoughtful questions regardless. I've seen you do it throughout the, I mean, what, the 16 episodes that we've done together. So, um, no, I, I'm, I know you didn't need us, but oh, yes, I, I, I wish we would have contributed in some way, but uh, classic university students. Oh, yeah. But uh, yes, moving on, I guess it's sort of maybe an odd one, but was there a topic you wish we had the chance to touch on again? I know there were certain guests that you were like, oh, I would love to bring you back on and talk about 
something else or was there a person you would have wanted to get back on the podcast in particular something you wish we could talk about again in more detail or yes actually there is and it is the consul general who we had on the podcast uh it was one of the episodes that went i believe over an hour because you certainly don't want to cut down, so to speak, and edit uh, generously when you have the Consul General spending time with you. Now, my regret, and I have very few of those when it comes to podcasting and asking questions, my regret on that particular episode was that I was way too soft. Mm. I didn't ask any hard questions. I uh, tried to appease, if you will, and... uh, come across as generous with my questions as the consul general was with his time towards us or for us. So I kind of softied my way through that episode. And having done numerous uh, interviews on the political stage back again in my broadcasting days, I used to ask harder questions. And I uh, I remember thinking during the episode, well, what is happening with me? Why am I softballing through this? There are a million questions that I would want to ask and that I would ask commonly if I were still on air at a radio station. And I would just hit you harder. Not, not to be mean, but to get, to get answers of, of value, of depth. Uh, nothing where I would easily let you out of the vice grip, so to speak, of a difficult question. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that. And this is one of the regrets that I have. It's like, nope, uh, I, I failed my own question-asking journalistic integrity there a little bit. And if I could, I would like to bring him back or perhaps go back in time, reset, hit record one more time, and just uh, throw caution to the wind and really just ask. Yeah, I think that's a common regret of sorts for journalists to have speaking as a journalist um you you know sometimes and and people too like i think people get really comfy and thinking about the potential answers they're going to have ahead of time and so people get set in their answers and maybe it's a really great answer but maybe it doesn't completely cover right in depth what you want to truly cover so yep and that's why journalists do follow-up interviews and that's why journalists will pester you once again for more information because they We'll have more questions later yeah. and whatnot, but okay. Well, next, next. Um, I guess we already talked about that question. Um, was there any guest in particular that surprised you? Because I, I mean, at least for this past season, and I know maybe in previous seasons, other people have sort of scheduled the guests for you, and so you more or less don't know what you're getting into. Of course, you do some preparation and research, but. Some. I, I do. I said, I said some. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, were, there, were there any guests where they like came on and you were, it became, it was way better than you thought it was going to be, or maybe it was way different than you thought it was going to be, or what, what did that look like for you since you didn't do the actual scheduling well, of interviews? There are guests and, and, and episodes where you sort of have a preconceived idea as to how this is going to roll. And again, truthfully, there were some episodes where I just really found myself dragging towards the microphone. It's like, I don't want to do this. And I certainly don't want to do this in a way that I have to do it. Because commonly I ask, well, I would like to ask much harder questions than I allowed myself to ask in the history of this cast. And one of the more recent casts was actually the St. Thomas episode, because I know of our relationship, the GI to St. Thomas episode, uh, episode University rather. So the episodes uh, I, I dreaded a little bit because I wasn't exactly sure how much I can I allow myself, how far can I go, and it comes back to this entire idea of how hard can the questions be, and I do have to say that. Those four ladies, uh, St. Thomas ladies that we had on, uh, incredibly well-spoken. Their recollection of the events that led to the Welcome to America or Coming to America um, exhibition was phenomenal. And 
I decided somewhat midway through to uh, stunt them a little bit and uh, just ask harder questions that ask for more depth, for more consideration. And it was quite interesting also observing my own internal switch and shift in that, if you will, that once I asked the first question where I got a response of, whoa, I haven't thought of that. And that's a really good question where I saw on the screen that um, she really had to go deep. It's like, okay, I'm back. I'm back to normal. And then I really felt like I'm driving with the episode. I'm driving with our guests. And I think it became a really good product. And I just, again, want to extend my thank you in case that those four lovely ladies are listening that they've just done a phenomenal job to represent their projects and their efforts to come to the project and come to the table with really meaningful products. Yeah, I think that episode turned out really great. And it is fun to see you get, once you go on a roll, like you like ask a question and maybe someone says something and you can kind of see like, that spark is over Zoom, so I can, you know, see you. <laughs> like um, like I, I can see the questions sort of forming in your head. So yeah, I, I am grateful that I sort of got to watch your process and you know <laughs> the the it's little the little than there mine. Is. It's oh, different it, than mine, yeah. but I appreciate it because I, I've learned a lot. So Well, I think perhaps the difference between you and I in that sense is uh, that you are inherently a print journalist. That's true. I've never had anything to do with print, really. I've always been a broadcaster. Uh, that was my defining past, if you will, in the 90s, uh, being on air at various stations. And the thing that I've learned is that if I show up to an interview with too much preparation, is that I'm trying to follow the blueprint of that which I had laid out. And frequently, the answers of the guest don't follow my blueprint. So I had to deviate. I had to do something different because the guest took me in a different direction. So I just had to follow suit. And I pretty quickly realized that out of the 15, 20, 30 questions that I had prepared, I got to ask four. And the rest were ad hoc questions, essentially following, following the leads. This is something that you are quite versed in. And I just did it perhaps more ad hoc because when you're on air, you're on air, you're live. There is no going back and editing. There is this either sinks or it swims. And I have noticed over the course of time, swimming is a whole lot easier when you not overanalyze the water, just jump in and start paddling. I think that makes a lot of sense. So that's essentially <laughs> our, our difference in work styles. Okay, next. Next, um, I mean, what on like a larger scale has doing this podcast meant to you? What has it provided you? It sounds like you've had some pretty meaningful experiences. You've talked to some pretty cool people. It's obviously impacted you personally, but uh, what has it meant to you over the past, what, four years? Yeah, so I, I, have, I have tried throughout... Uh, the 90 odd episodes to talk very little about myself. Um, That's true. I never wanted to be front and center. It's always been about the guests. Secondarily, it's always been about the GEI and representing what the GEI actually stands for and does for the community here in St. Paul, but also due to COVID then started to do globally and really reaching beyond our borders. Uh, what it has meant for me, in, in full disclosure, if you will, everybody, I suppose, can perhaps relate to that, that we've had in our past moments and occupations and jobs and opportunities that defined us, that shaped us. And radio was my defining thing. It uh, became my identity. And with all of its ups and downs and uh, towards the tail end of my radio career, certainly more downs than ups, but uh, it, it was me. It inherently is who I am. Hand me a microphone and I go from Jekyll to Hyde, if you will, and 
uh, switch my persona. I am much more animated on stage, uh, perhaps on Zoom as well, as I am actually in real life, so to speak. I think I'm a little more cool, calm, and collected and reserved in reality. Put me in front of an audience, and I kind of come alive. And maybe that was sort of witnessed at the trivia or at any of the events where I was graciously provided with a microphone. <laughs> but I never wanted it to be about me. It's just that the side effect of doing this was that the old me, if you will, came back alive. It remembered. It dove back in, little down, so to speak, memory lane. I said, wow, this was so cool. This is, this is the air that I want to breathe. So, yeah, incredibly meaningful personally. Uh, and that meaning personally was hitched quite firmly to the meaning uh, of the podcast, hopefully for the GAI, even though it's phasing out. And the opportunity to connect with individuals who I ordinarily would not have an opportunity to talk with. Right. Podcasting is a really cool medium that people are connecting to in a very different way than really any other medium. It's a, it's a storytelling outlet. It's a conversational outfit. You feel like you're a part of something when you hear a group of people converse. And it's, it's kind of cool to create that space. I have an addition, a, I suppose, um, theory. It's not even a hypothesis. It's, it's, okay. a, it's, an, it's a tiny little freshling theory behind the meaning of audio. When I look at the development of the senses, if you will, as a pre-born stage uh, going through life, if you will, the first sense that we essentially resonate with, hence resonance, is audio. And I do fundamentally believe that audio in and of itself is a much more intimate medium than video or a book. While I can go on a journey within the lines in a book, it still requires thought. In audio, I can get lost. I can close my eyes and I just listen. I just surf the wave. It is, for the lack of better words, as far as I would identify the meaning of audio to the individual, it's almost primal. And that's where I personally see the power of audio. And uh, I'm guessing that evolutionary psychologists and uh, those who are in early childhood education are probably going to roll their eyes right now. But that's always been sort of the significance of audio for me, is that it is such an intimate medium. That's why voice and inflection and portrayal of certain sentences, changing your speed, rolling it in, uh, or just going faster, which is also something that I've tried to do through StoryCast, is just to modulate and to take you, uh, who those who listened to any of the StoryCast episodes, sort of on an audio journey. That was, that was the intent behind that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, truth to your theory. I think it, it's, it can stand on its own. I mean, as a journalism student, <clears throat> We shoot a lot of video, and one of the most important parts of video is the sound that you capture in your video. You want to be really intentional about the background noises and the sound bites you pick and everything because it creates an all-around experience. I mean, you can look at it and you can like maybe sort of figure out what it sounds like based on what it looks like, but uh, it's, it's the sound that really takes you there and transports mm -hmm. you to a place or within a room with a person or what have you. So, Yes, yeah, it does. No, I get it. But Moving I mean, on. Pod podcasting has fluctuated a lot over the years. People, there are haters out there who think podcasting is silly. Um, there are people who love it, specifically the true crime fans. Oh, for sure. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're different. I get it, though. Um, do you think podcasting will stick around? Do you think it's a medium to stay? Or do you think we can maybe see another thing come about? Uh... I do believe it's here to stay. It may change its shape a little bit, but with the uh, advent of uh, small devices in your pocket, commonly the cell phone, you can readily download a podcast and engage with uh, any individual from any walk of life that basically puts their voice on air. I can certainly see that um, the 
I would say at this point, probably bigger brother to podcasting. Audiobooks are going to become stronger and stronger and more popular. Uh, the only downside or difference, quote unquote, with an audiobook is uh, the level of commitment from the listener. In order to truly make it through, you got to listen to the entire thing. With a podcast, I can just jump around almost, uh, you know, at, at will, if you will, that, oh, I'm not resonating with that question, or I don't care about this answer. And you just skip uh, 30 seconds, a minute forward, and then re-engage with uh, the next piece. Uh, so segmenting within a podcast, I believe, might be the next thing where you just click on time markers, similar to what YouTube mm -hmm. videos do now, so to basically chapter it down. I can see that coming in podcasting with a much more easy way of accessing. Uh, there are certain people, like for instance, uh, Tim Ferriss with his Larger Than Life podcast, more or less, uh, the Tim Ferriss, I forgot what it's called, but um, you, you certainly can find him online. The guy has been around forever and has a phenomenal podcast. He timestamps uh, certain chapters in the show description, so show notes. Uh, I can see that becoming a little more easily accessible going forward from a technological perspective. But other than that, uh, since voice audio is so primal, I don't think you can really change primal to something that's other than primal. That's a fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like podcasting. I mean, I, I like it for news more than anything. And I think my generation in particular, we want short snippets of news. We don't have time to sit down in the mornings or the evenings with and watch a half an hour or an hour news segment. We like our short five minute clips and we're on our way. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the upside, right? You can just hit play right. in the car, try to watch a YouTube video in the car. That ticket's going to get expensive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> same with uh, all kinds of news outlets that are now producing anywhere from one to three minute TikTok videos uh, summarizing today's news headlines. I think that's a great start. But now if you want depth, if you want things to actually consider you have got to go a little bit longer form. Now, I'm not saying an hour, but a five to 10 minute segment that you can hit play on in the car is probably going to be more meaningful than listening to another piece of music. Nothing wrong with that. But if you seek information, that's where it's at. Right. Well. That was it? I, suppose, I mean, we can start to wrap up. I was going to ask if you had any favorite podcast memories or moments not like your favorite episode but moments or people or things people have pointed out that really stuck with you besides like the Fred Amram stuff or some of the trio things is there anything else that yeah you want to share it was particularly the last Deutsche Tage that I was at where not just that I bumped into a good number of my former GEI students, but also a lot of people actually approached me after hearing me talk to somebody else and saying, I, I've met you before. It's like, um, sorry to disappoint, but I don't believe so. No, 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 I've heard you. You are the podcast voice. And it's... Truthfully, it's humbling that people would go out of their way to recognize you and say hi. Um, there's a certain element of power coming with it, for the lack of better terms, in the sense that when people identify you based on your voice and that which you had to say, and then come up to you, it puts you in a power position. And you can take this position into one of two ways. Either you can let it go to your head, which uh, perhaps as a younger individual on air, story for another day, may have happened. Or you suddenly recognize, wait a minute, with this type of power comes a ton of responsibility. And the responsibility is one of representation. How do you do this? How do you put this on? How do you make it meaningful? How do you actually if you will, compliment and applaud and, and cater to those who are, and I'm going back now to what I said earlier, are willing to spend their time with you when you have something to say. That's an incredibly humbling position to be in. And again, I just want to renew my thank you to everyone who's been 
with us on this journey. But not that easy and not that fast, Miss Audra. I'm still somebody who hit the record button and usually asks questions. Your print. I journalist, thought I was going to get away with it. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, your print journalist by, if you will, trade. Yeah. And we've kind of invited you into this world of audio and hitting record buttons and having a microphone in front of your face. What was the experience like? Gosh, I mean, it's it's been really fun. You know, of course, as a journalist, my training, of course, was well-rounded. I didn't, my, at university, I did the weekly newspaper. And so I was more accustomed to that. In my journalism classes, a majority of what we did was writing articles. Um, but, you know, I still, of course, took my broadcast classes and I took you know, I learned how to do proper script writing and I got to go in the studio, play, not play around with the cameras, use the cameras properly. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think this was a medium I hadn't explored yet. They don't, podcasting is still so new and it's not widely seen. I don't know, they're, they're not, students aren't being taught quite yet how to use podcasting in a new sense. And so this was a really fun way for me to get right on the inside ask the questions, use the interviewing and the journalistic skills I had and apply it to something that I just hadn't done before. Um, I've really enjoyed it a whole lot. And especially with like the German language and culture angle in particular, that's been really fun as a journalism and German double major in college. When would those two ever come together? <laughs> Not very often. Maybe if I wanted to go be a journalist in Germany, right? Um, so being able to do more newsy journalistic things in my communications position at the GAI has been really fulfilling and getting to work with my former professor too has a, <laughs> of course been fun it's had its ups and downs but what <laughs> no no it's been it's been really cool and I've learned a whole lot so thank you out of your Rolodex of visionary or I guess hopeful guests who would you want to have on the podcast if we had an opportunity to continue? Who would you want to invite and uh, have essentially in front of the microphone? Gosh, you know, I kind of wish we did more like cross-cultural episodes where we talked more than just about like Dach and like Germany and like everything. I wish maybe we had brought someone in from like a different cultural institute and like sort of compared and contrasts. Uh, cultures and languages and where the overlap lies and like maybe some of the mm -hmm. historical overlap as well because Europe has fluctuated a lot <laughs> you languages fluctuated a lot um you know I, I dabbled in French for like two seconds and there is a decent amount of overlap obviously um with mm -hmm. some of the German-speaking parts of France and so on and so forth and I I, I think that would could have been really cool um we also we're in the works of getting a member of the German parliament on the podcast and then things got busy and things sort of came to an end. And I think that could have also been a really cool experience to have someone from the green party come on and like talk about her experience. That would have been um, phenomenal. But, uh, I mean, I don't really have many regrets. I did 16 episodes and I feel really fulfilled by what we did in 16 yeah. episodes. Like, of course, if we could have gone for 50 more would have done it, but, uh, no, I mean, yeah. can't cover everything, but so, I think we did a good job. Perhaps we just need to put the cliffhanger in there, that currently there is a little bit of a consideration. Well, maybe we should just continue, but on our own terms with a new name, new formats, uh, starting from zero, because the equipment's there, the talent's there, the interest is there, the fascination is there, the knowledge is to some degree there, and then hopefully being expanded by those who come on the show for a Q&A, if you will. So if that were to happen, uh, it would most likely be, well, almost inevitably be on our own terms, and I'm not exactly sure how, we'd be com how we would, would communicate this to uh, you, the listening audience. But uh, perhaps we can uh, you know, connect and bump into one another in one of the future festivities, which I will certainly attend. And um, maybe we can take it from there. Also, I do believe that... Uh, Storycast was quite valuable for those who wanted to listen to German pronunciation or Austrian pronunciation in that sense. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe maybe there is a future for that. So the good thing is, um, with one door closing, another one might open, and uh, it is absolutely left uh, to us 
as to how big, wide, and what color this door has and which building it leads into to go way down the metaphorical path here. Yeah, you really did. Uh, that was not bad, huh? On the fly. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in other words, uh, you know, it, it may not be it may not be all over. The question is uh, just really what would it look like and so forth. So no hard feelings, uh, I suppose. Uh, of course, it came uh, to be 100% honest, if you're still with us uh, 50 minutes in. It came as uh, somewhat of a surprise. Then again, the writing was kind of on the wall. Uh, we've lost a couple of key members to the team. Aaron has found a new position that is absolutely phenomenal. It's gender justice, uh, things that this country certainly needs, particularly now with uh, Roe versus Wade being in question. Um, we'll see what's, what's happening there. Audra is moving on as well to uh, more of a journalistic path uh, that I suppose uh, would be more your traditional uh, education, at least satisfying your traditional educational path, if you will. And uh, yeah, so the, the team has unfortunately contracted and with that, uh, there is just the unfortunate downside that all good things must come to an end, but it doesn't mean that there might be better things on the horizon so we'll see stay tuned <laughs> don't 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 okay shall we wrap this yeah let's wrap it well whew, this is gonna be difficult to wrap to be honest audra of course thank you thank you gunter it's been it's been really fun it has been fun i've uh, i don't want to get out of this because i know once we hit uh, stop on the record button that this really was it so little bittersweet, not going to lie about that. Uh, again, thank you, thank you, and one more time, thank you for everyone globally who's been with us for 90-some-odd episodes. It's been a privilege, it's been a pleasure, it's been endlessly entertaining and sometimes really challenging. But if you are in St. Paul, check in with our events, and we might be able to have an opportunity to shake hands. Until then, this is going to signing off one last time. The final goodbye until perhaps next time, because it's never really over.